three Republican presidents. He is a New York Times bestselling author and a longtime friend and advisor of President Donald Roger Trump. Stone. As an outspoken libertarian, Stone has appeared on thousands of broadcasts, spoken at countless venues, and lectured before the prestigious Oxford Political Union and the Cambridge Union Society. Due to his four-plus decades in the political and cultural arena, Stone has become a pop culture icon. And now, here's your host, Roger Stone. Welcome, I'm Roger Stone, and yes, you are back in the Stone Zone. The decision by President Donald Trump to visit Michigan instead of going to the Fox presidential debate at Simi Valley at the Ronald Reagan Library uh, shows his political genius. Clearly, uh, Donald Trump is speaking to those issues that actually affect the American people. Uh, we're seeing the slow motion collapse of President Joe Biden, an increasing number of Democrats within his own party calling for him to be replaced. Uh, it is extraordinarily obvious that Joe Biden tried to upstage Donald Trump by going to Michigan today. Uh, it was really kind of uncomfortable to see him out there at the United Auto Workers uh, picket line talking about the past. Uh, sure, he got off your typical attack on the automobile manufacturers companies, but let's be very clear. His game plan zeroes out the jobs of all American auto workers. That's right. His electric uh, vehicle mandates ultimately will shut the auto industry down. Donald Trump instinctively understands this, and therefore he will go to Michigan tomorrow with a real message that has the capability of attracting even stronger support among blue-collar workers. Another way to put this is to look at the polls. A year ago, among union members, Joe Biden was leading Donald Trump 46-43. By the way, that's an extraordinarily strong showing for any Republican. But more recent polls among union members now have Trump leading Joe Biden 51-42. Uh, we're going to bring you some video of that. Joe Biden, on the other hand, uh, was back out on the stump. We've got a quick video of him. Let's roll it. Now, Joe barely made it down those steps. Why? Well, first of all, his own handlers admit that he's been practicing balancing. He switched from street shoes to sneakers. They made the staircase much shorter and each individual step much shorter. So the commander in chief can actually get down the stairs without falling down. Uh, the White House says this is no big deal, but I think it is a big deal because the symbolism of a strong vibrant, confident uh, president is crucial to the American people. Sadly, Joe Biden looks like a feeble old man. Also in shocking news today, uh, the Republican bosses of New Jersey, uh, egged on by their corpulent former governor, Chris Christie, seek to actually cancel New Jersey's Republican presidential primary and have the delegates chosen at a Republican state convention that is not open to all Republican voters uh, in the smoke-filled rooms of Atlantic City. Why are they doing this? Well, I'll give you one big reason. Uh, it's because Donald Trump would crush former Governor Chris Christie in a head-to-head -head Republican primary or a Republican primary against the field. I know New Jersey well, having run two campaigns for Governor Thomas H. Kane, uh, and also having handled the state for Ronald Reagan in 1980 and 1984. I don't think grassroots Republicans in New Jersey are going to stand for their voices being cut out of the process, but we will bring you more about that as well. Uh, a question that we have gotten this week that I want to address, many people have congratulated me for being back on Facebook. Folks, there is a Roger Stone on Facebook it is most definitely not me. In 2020, uh, when I was unjustly and wrongly convicted in the Mueller witch hunt, Facebook announced that I would be unilaterally banned for life. That ban also extends to Instagram, 
which Facebook happens to own. No explanation for the reason, I'm just the worst person in the world. Therefore, the person who is on Facebook calling themselves Roger Stone, and by the way, rapidly gaining followers, is most definitely not me. The irony of this is, of course, that if I tried to open a real Facebook account tomorrow, well, I suspect it would be shut down almost immediately. Uh, therefore, um, if you're wasting your time corresponding with the Roger Stone on Facebook, please be assured it is most definitely not me, and I'm not responsible for anything this Roger Stone says or posts. Now, whoever this person is has very cleverly begun taking things from my ex, formerly known as Twitter, feed uh, and posting it on Facebook. Uh, I guess to give a greater impression that this is me. But folks, it is not me. Uh, friends of mine who are on Facebook have reported this bogus Fugazi account, but to no avail. The following continues to grow. All right, uh, let me move right into politics because that's what people tune into the Stone Zone for. Uh, an ardent anti-communist threatens to upend Miami-Dade, Florida's race for mayor. A political outsider who was born in communist Cuba and became a U.S. citizen could be on the verge of upending the long entrenched political interests that controls Florida's Miami-Dade County. Alex Oteola, a fierce anti-communist who has risen to local and national prominence through his YouTube-based show, Ola Oteola, has confounded the long entrenched political establishment in Florida's most populous county by announcing his candidacy for the all-powerful position of mayor uh, of Miami-Dade County. Now, although the election for mayor of Miami-Dade County is nonpartisan, liberal Democrat Danielle Levine-Cava is seeking a second term uh, in a county where Republicans have made very substantial gains in recent election cycles. President Donald Trump overperformed in the county in 2020, receiving 45% of the vote, uh, a high watermark in a presidential year, while Florida's Republican Governor Ron DeSantis actually won this longtime liberal Democrat stronghold with nearly 20% of the vote. That was in 2022. Oteola, uh, who will join us shortly, a flamboyant personality who is combining his ardent anti-communism with a robust reform agenda is indeed a wild card in a race that will be decided in two stages. First, there is an initial primary in August, followed by a runoff between the two top vote getters, which coincides with the same date of the presidential campaign election, which would be November 5th, 2024. The Cuban-American talk show host Alex Oteola's campaign platform includes economic growth, job creation, public safety, uh, reform in our education, uh, as well as aid for mass transportation. Uh, Oteola is quoted as saying, we need a Miami-Dade in which everyone feels safe and secure. We must renounce the soft on crime policies uh, that we see destroying great communities like New York and Los Angeles. We must aggressively enforce the law. This law and order message is having very real resonance, uh, and the career politicians are literally quaking in their boots. Our children should be taught our constitutional values as well as our heritage. We will not allow public schools to push race, sex, or gender dogma to our children, Oteola said in an interview. Uh, as mayor, I will continue to work to return decision-making power to parents regarding, uh, regarding their own children's education. Uh, concerned parents cannot and must not be regarded as domestic terrorists, Oteola went on to say. Uh, the fiery Cuban-American candidate also addressed the uh, profound problem of the lack of affordable housing uh, in Miami-Dade County. He said, I'm committed to implementing lasting solutions that promote affordable housing for all residents. Our plan is to facilitate new construction and affordable housing projects, uh, making rent more affordable and offering residents the opportunity to become homeowners. 
Oteola, uh, who is known for his strident anti-communism and his very entertaining net-based daily show, uh, which has brought him national, local, uh, and international prominence, was recently featured in a blockbuster documentary, which is entitled Influencer. I urge you to check it out. Now, Alex Oteola was an outspoken supporter of President Donald Trump. Uh, he organized a series of very highly successful car caravans in the run-up to the 2020 election. Uh, and then the insurgent candidate for mayor, who purposely got into the race early uh, and the buzz has begun, uh, had a car caravan this past Sunday, uh, the strength and numbers of which I really find mind-boggling. There is a grassroots insurgency here for the candidacy of Alex Oteola. Uh, while incumbent Mayor Danielle uh, Levine-Cava has floated polls show her holding a comfortable lead in this prospective race, many more experienced political operatives, myself included, believe those poll numbers are suspect and that Kava, who only thinks in establishment political terms, uh, is promoting them to discourage a challenge from uh, former mayor Carlos Jimenez, who now, of course, is a Republican member of Congress from Florida's 28th district. My sources tell me that Jimenez, uh, who was Kava's predecessor as mayor, of Miami-Dade is not planning a candidacy to return to his old job. Jimenez was among the majority of Florida members of Congress to endorse President Donald Trump over Republican Governor Ron DeSantis this past April. Seasoned political observers believe Cava's Achilles heel lies in the property tax issue. Using political sleight of hand, Kava has announced a cut in the property tax rates uh, with great fanfare, yet at the same time, property valuations are skyrocketing. So rather than an actual drop in property taxes, the property tax bill for virtually every Miami-Dade resident, uh, which they will receive early next year, will actually reflect an increase in the amount due from each property owner. Alex Oteola, who will join us momentarily, has made this uh, a major issue in his campaign. Uh, and although party identification plays no formal role in the nonpartisan election of the mayor, partisan politics plays an important backstage role in the crucial first round. Other than Oteola, uh, no other first-ranked Republican has come forward to make this race. Uh, Mayor Manny Sid of Miami Lakes has announced this is a city of only 31,000 residents. There's no evidence that he can raise either the resources nor has the ideas to wage uh, a successful campaign. Oteola seems to me to be the candidate with the greatest upside potential, as well as the greatest fundraising potential based on his vast internet audience. Indeed, the charismatic Alex Oteola, the only man in American politics who has better hats than I do, uh, has gone out of his way to accentuate his status as a non-politician, as someone whose campaign slogan actually is, let's do it differently. This outlines his status uh, as the outsider uh, in this important race. In a clear bid to win the votes of younger voters, and libertarians, Oteola has strongly supported a statewide constitutional amendment that would legalize the sale and use of cannabis uh, for non-medical reasons. Florida legalized uh, the use and sale of medicinal marijuana by constitutional amendment in 2019. Uh, here's something I saw Alex Oteola say in an interview. By legalizing the use, taxation, and license sale of marijuana, we can not only generate millions of dollars in revenues in order to improve our education system, but we can also regulate cannabis being legal to ensure that the cannabis that is being sold is not laced with fentanyl or other dangerous drugs. This is a groundbreaking political issue uh, that I think really allows Alex Oteola to cross over and win the votes of some Democrats 
younger voters and those who recognize that medicinal cannabis and recreational cannabis uh, can be a major uh, revenue generator, as well as ensuring uh, that the, the black market dries up uh, and the cannabis that is consumed is safe. Uh, the people of Florida know there's a multi-million dollar black market. This is Oteola speaking. Uh, and the uh, sale of marijuana outside the state's medicinal marijuana regulatory scheme uh, is uh, too limited and the process is too difficult for the average person. Now, uh, Oteola has been an outspoken critic of Mayor uh, Levine Cava's failure to crack down on the scourge of child sex trafficking. According to federal statistics, Miami-Dade uh, is the second largest hub of child sex trafficking activities in the state of Florida, uh, with the large tourist hotels near Miami International Airport serving and being identified uh, as the site of much of this illegal activity. Oteola has pledged that if elected, he would appoint a federal, state, and county task force to combat child sex trafficking uh, and to coordinate the activities of state and federal authorities, uh, an issue on which Levine Cava has done nothing whatsoever. Uh, our children are not for sale, said Alex Oteola, who joins us now on the Stone Zone. Thank you, Royer. Thank you for having me in your sum. Uh, that was long, but it all needed to be said. Uh, I was uh, quoting from a terrific article uh, in the National File. Now, Alex, you are uh, you're an advocate. You're also an entertainer. That's why you're a successful advocate, because you understand that in order to get people's attention, you have to be interesting. You have to be provocative. Uh, and you are both of those. Uh, you have a, a great life. You have many, many friends who revere you because of your ardent and your uh, and your uh, strongly voiced anti-communism. And people ask me, why would your friend Alex Oteolo want to give up all of his time and effort to run for mayor of Miami-Dade? That's a good place to start. Uh, I think you are an interesting uh, and provocative candidate. Uh, I like thinking outside the box. Why did you decide to make this race? Um, I decided to run for mayor because the Miami Day establishment is terrible. It's too accomplishment with uh, communism and is to advocate for facilitate to the Communist Party in Cuba and China and everywhere around the world. Um, you know, credits and um, facilities for that uh, uh, ideology, you know, to try to, to spread the ide ideology for the, for the world. So I need to take action. I need to, um, I need to, to take action for, for that reason, for safe Miami Day. Uh, you have uh, made a lot uh, of the uh, of the education issue. Uh, you're opposed to the uh, pushing of both uh, socialist and communist dogma on our school children, as well as gender, race, or sexual lies. Do you think this will be a major campaign issue uh, in your effort? Um, I prefer to to speak Spanish, Roger. It's terrible for me. <laughs> can, can you help me with that? Yes, if you speak in Spanish, I have a translator standing here. Go ahead. Okay. Um, yo eh, creo que la campaña para la alcaldía de Miami va a, va a resultar en una gran sorpresa. I creo que el plan que tienen los demócratas de... Eh, adoctrinar a los jóvenes, de cambiar de sexo a los niños, de eh, hormonar a los adolescentes, de truncar el desarrollo. Yo creo que es una agenda bárbara, es una agenda eh, dañina para la sociedad. 
para el mundo en general. Yo creo que las personas deben eh, optar en su mayoría de edad por lo que deseen hacer, pero la infancia no se toca. Y creo que la familia como pilar principal de la educación de los niños está siendo atacada por esta agenda WOC. Yo tengo el compromiso como alcalde y como miembro de la comunidad LGBT de proteger a los niños y de proteger a los jóvenes en Miami-Dade. No podemos permitir que esto suceda de manera global o de manera individual. Es realmente inaceptable. Okay, let us try to catch up with you. We'll try to do this in short, beat, uh, in short bites because we have an interpreter here and what you're saying is so very important. Go ahead. Uh, as mayor of Miami-Dade County, it is extremely important for us to take into consideration uh, that we can no longer support uh, children changing their sex or children taking any of these type of uh, 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 decisions without the support of their parents. This is an agenda that is against the family nucleus, and this is an agenda that uh, totally uh, and purposely forgets the parents and has the government uh, in the name of the schools, take over any decision making that the parents should have over their children. This agenda is tr uh, trying to be imposed globally, but it is very important that we don't allow it to uh, continue, further continue uh, in Miami-Dade County. Uh, very good. Excellent, in fact. Um, so, uh, Alex, you've made, uh, you've made law and order a major issue. Uh, you're a strong supporter uh, of the police. You've I've seen Uh, crime rising uh, in Miami-Dade. Um, what would you do uh, to keep crime in check? Creo Alex. que... Sí, sí, yo entendí, entendí la pregunta. I got it, I got it. Eh, yo, te, yo vengo con un plan de implementar la ley y el orden. Yo vengo con I, un plan I, de I no permitir... I come with a plan, I come with a plan uh, to bring in uh, law and order. Yo vengo con el plan de no permitir que la delincuencia domine Miami como está dominando California, Nueva York, Filadelfia. Uh, my plan is to prevent delinquency from overtaking uh, Miami-Dade County as we have already seen it happen in places like in California, in Los Angeles, and in New York. No se puede garantizar ni la prosperidad ni la seguridad, ni el nivel de vida en las ciudades, en los, lo, en la, los lugares donde la delincuencia es quien gobierna. Uh, we can no longer uh, support or really just have prosperity or freedom in a society which purposely tries to keep us away from our freedoms and our prosperity. Vengo con la intención de eh, dar Fondos, mayores fondos a la policía, a los bomberos y a la fuerza del orden para garantizar la seguridad de un Miami Day perfecto y great again. It is my intention uh, to fully and completely fund the police, firemen, uh, so that we can have a very secure uh, Miami Dade County. Okay, we, you had uh, one of your famous car caravans uh, this weekend. Uh, it shows the incredible grassroots support that you have. Let's let's run that video because I want people to see citizen action at the local level. Yes. Thank you. 
run that entire video because there is no other candidate well in a year in advance of the election that has that level of grassroots enthusiasm. Alex Hotel, I want to thank you very much for joining us today in the Stone Zone. We intend to see your campaign continuing to build momentum because I know you, my friend, are going to make history next year. God bless you. Thank you, and God. Thank you for your support and your help. Thank you very much. All right, folks, a great American patriot, Alex Oteola, joining us from Miami Dade. Uh, let's throw up that uh, website if we can, uh, Oteola for Mayor. Uh, this is a grassroots conservative candidate, an ardent anti-communist, someone who's challenging the established order in Miami Dade. Whether you speak English or whether you speak Spanish, this is a campaign you need to pay attention to. If you live in Miami-Dade County, this is a campaign you need to support and enlist in. So go to oteolaformayor.com and check it out. You'll find all of his issue positions. Uh, he has become a very good friend because he is such a great American patriot. Thank you very much. Again, thanks to my friend Alex Oteola uh, for joining us. Uh, I love that video. Now, there was an incident at the end of the car caravan uh, where rocks were thrown. Uh, there is no role for violence in our politics. Uh, that is not how we settle things. We settle things through a democratic election. And believe me, the inside political operators in Miami-Dade County are literally hysterical about the growing grassroots strength of Alex Oteola's campaign for mayor of Miami-Dade. Uh, joining us shortly uh, is Darren Beatty. Uh, he is the publisher and editor of Revolver.News. Revolver.News could be uh, the one or two most important conservative news outlets uh, in the country. Uh, if you don't subscribe to Revolver.News, I strongly urge you to do so. Uh, before we go there, however, I'll remind you that our program here is brought to you by the great folks uh, at MyPillow.com. MyPillow.com is, of course, uh, the major enterprise uh, of our host and sponsor, Mike Lindell. Now, if you saw Mike Lindell's epic deposition, which seemed to be everywhere on the internet, some crazy, dopey, left-wing lawyer who's harassing him in a civil lawsuit accused him of selling lumpy pillows. Folks, I'm here to tell you there's nothing lumpy about the pillows at MyPillow.com. So please go to MyPillow.com, and when you do, use promo code STONE. That's right, promo code STONE. In order to prove to you uh, that there is uh, no lumpy pillows being sold, uh, let me recommend the revolutionary new MyPillow 2.0. My Pillow 2.0 is different than any other pillow you have ever owned because it employs a patented cooling technology that is woven right into the pillow. That makes the pillow cool to the touch uh, all night long. And now uh, Mike Lindell uh, has really cut prices even more drastically, offering you a four pack of the uh, new My Pillow 2.0. Uh, which you can get for the low, low price of $99.98. Uh, that is, uh, of course, a tremendous saving because normally this package would have cost, as you can see, $259.92. So uh, let me urge you to support Mike Lindell uh, and the great folks at MyPillow. He, like many outspoken conservatives and Trump supporters, uh, is uh, being harassed uh, by a tsunami of lawfare. This is how they seek to silence you by filing uh, lawsuits against you that are baseless, uh, meritless, that have uh, no substance, but meant to tie you up, spending huge legal fees, uh, and sap your time uh, while taking a toll on your reputation. Uh, you can help Mike Lindell uh, and uh, Roger and Nidia Stone uh, by going to MyPillow.com and using promo code STONE. Uh, we are waiting for Darren Beatty uh, of uh, Revolver.News, um, who's going to talk to us about the extraordinary resurgence 
uh, of President Donald Trump. Uh, I have uh, been, as you know, a veteran of 13 national Republican presidential campaigns. I first uh, began to urge Donald Trump to seek the presidency as early as 1988. Uh, that's when he surveyed the field of George H.W. Bush and Michael Dukakis uh, and realized immediately that America needed a different direction, that career politicians in the two-party duopoly were not going to solve America's problems. Uh, I urged him to run again in 2000, uh, then again in 2012. In 2000, uh, this is a key point that is often uh, misreported, he did not run for president as the Reform Party candidate. He did not contend for the Reform Party nomination. Uh, out of respect to his fellow billionaire, Ross Perot, who wanted him to run very badly, as well as uh, Minnesota Governor Jesse Ventura, uh, who was a professional wrestler, but who had been elected governor of Minnesota as a Reform Party candidate, Donald Trump agreed to uh, consider running for president. This is where I first saw the Trump magic. Uh, and I realized that Trump was a political brand uh, that um, really had a great future. Uh, he did seriously consider running in 2012. Uh, he uh, elected not to run uh, in that race. Uh, but I can honestly tell you, looking at the polls today, um, Donald Trump has never been stronger than he is at this moment. Joining me now to analyze this uh, and other topics, uh, the, uh, the head honcho at uh, Revolver.News, Darren Beatty, joins us in the Stone Zone now. Always great to be here. Thank you so much, Roger. Dr. Beatty, let me ask you off the top. You have two very young children. How are they doing? Everyone's doing great. Thank you. Uh, I know that you uh, that you are very proud of your kids, and I know uh, that uh, it is uh, challenging to have young children at home. I want you to know how much I appreciate your joining us here uh, on the Stone Zone. Folks, if you are not a subscriber to Revolver.News, well, you don't know what you're missing. Revolver.News could be the one or two most important conservative news outlets in the country. We strongly urge you to go to Revolver.News and subscribe because of the commentary of uh, Dr. Beatty uh, and other material that he curates is among the most important political messaging uh, in the country. So please uh, go to Revolver.News and subscribe immediately. So, uh, Darren, what do you make of the sudden resurgence of Donald Trump? I mean, they tried to tell us a year ago that he was a spent force, uh, that his day had passed, uh, that uh, the party should move on uh, to a, a new type of leadership. Yet Donald Trump is a man with a bounce in his step. Donald Trump's standing in the polls are unlike anything that I've seen. And I'm a veteran of 13 uh, presidential campaigns. So what's going on in America? Well, it is really is quite remarkable. And as long as Don Donald Trump is around, as long as he's a factor, there's no moving on from him. I think all of the people who are so desperate to get rid of Trump, the DeSantis camp, really that's just a subspecies of a larger um, sentiment among establishment types of wanting to get rid of Trump, wanting to move back to the pre-Trump era and making what they consider to be the minimal requisite concessions to the Trump phenomenon. And they characterize this as Trumpism without Trump or the sort of the more polite, uh, you know, polished um, policy oriented uh, Trumpism without the tweets and evidently without the uh, charisma or mass appeal, which, as we've learned, are kind of important ingredients when it comes to being successful politically. And I think a lot of the um, establishment folks and sort of the um, movement conservative types who've always been opposed intellectually, ideologically to uh, Trump since 2016, the sort of the more neoconservative types, um, they're getting a, a crude lesson in the fact that um, 
the personality matters. The person matters. That the the person is the anchor of the movement, and you can't disaggregate the two. And you certainly can't run somebody like Ron DeSantis and give him a script and expect it to be a suitable uh, substitute. So Trump is, of course, a major factor now, a major front runner because. Um, first of all, I mean, he's a once in a generation political talent, as I've said many times, and I think even his detractors would be hard pressed to deny that at this point. Um, so he has got that going for him, which is considerable, but also look what's against him. He's got the senile and um, increasingly uh, just not viable um, Biden and Ron DeSantis. So there, there isn't even anything remotely viable there that could compete with Trump. I would say even a Newsom, if he were really in it and you know there was a lot of buzz behind him, then it might be something interesting. But he's simply the only real person on, you know, there. He's the only major factor there. So of course he's going to be the front runner. And we're just seeing the the statistics and the polls catch up to this underlying dynamic that's been present um, for quite some time already. Yeah, as I have often said, and i actually paraphrasing Richard Nixon, the only thing worse in politics than being wrong is being boring. And that's the thing about Donald Trump. He is never boring. He is always interesting. He is always provocative. I don't think he's eloquent, but I do think he's articulate, meaning you always know exactly where he stands. Uh, big news this week, uh, Gavin Newsom, uh, is going to debate uh, Governor Ron DeSantis. Uh, I think Sean Hannity is moderating that. Handicap that debate for us in two parts. First of all, why is each man doing this? Uh, and then tell me how you think they'll perform. Well, that's a great question. I find it kind of a bizarre thing altogether that this would be happening. It's clearly a reference to some sort of phantom, <laughs> phantom, you know, presidential debate kind of on both sides. Um, you know, Newsom, I'd say still is, is, is a better chance of being president than, uh, than Ron DeSantis. Newsom has a better chance of being president in 2024 than Ron DeSantis. I would still maintain that, notwithstanding all the recent developments. But it it's strange to me. It's clearly a kind of a publicity thing. It's you know, injecting themselves into a position of of relevance with the obvious implication that it could be relevant to the presidential season one way or another. Um, as to the substance of it, who would who would win the debate? I would have to put my money on on Newsom. It, it's just you know, the people go into this. You know, it's I think it could be some sort of rerun. I don't want to force the comparison too much, but, and you know, you're seasoned on all this. So you, I'm sure you remember the Paul Ryan, Joe Biden debate. And, you know, I remember all of these, you know, the same kind of quote unquote conservative intellectuals like, oh, our Ryan is such a wonk. He'll wipe the floor with Joe Biden. You know, he'll just hit him over the head with the statistics on why we need to, you know, cut welfare and, you know, cut Social Security and all that. And they're just chomping at the bit for their moment, finally, for the intellectually seasoned Paul Ryan, who's never, you know, missed an issue of the National Review to just completely destroy uh, Joe Biden, but of course, it didn't work out that way at all. Uh, it, you know, Paul Ryan lost pretty decisively, and he's been losing ever since. Really, I think that sort of sets the tone for what might transpire here. Um, uh, Newsom is, of course, not exactly a Joe Biden type figure. He has his own sort of sleek appeal, but he's very glib. He's a talented politician. Um, I think. You know, long story short, I think he would destroy Ron DeSantis in a debate. That's going to be very interesting. Uh, my theory here, of course, is that this is a way uh, for Gavin Newsom to advertise his availability uh, while not really sticking his toe in the water. So he knows that there's a great upheaval going on in the Democratic Party. He knows there's growing uncertainty, even fear, about uh, Joe Biden being the standard bearer. This is a way for him to kind of audition uh, without being a candidate. On the other hand, Ron DeSantis, 
uh, is engaged in a Hail Mary pass. He desperately needs something, anything, to breathe life back into his campaign. Uh, one of his biggest errors here was letting expectations get out of, out of out of whack. Politics is very much an expectation game. Uh, when Ronald Reagan challenged Gerald Ford in 1976, Gerald Ford was a sitting president, although unelected, but in a party where we respect hegemony and the natural order of things. So it was an upstart thing to begin with uh, for a former California governor to challenge Gerald Ford. Uh, and uh, the Reagan game plan was to uh, to run strong in New Hampshire, uh, to run strong uh, in uh, Florida, uh, and then to beat Ford in subsequent primaries. Unfortunately, the expectation level for Reagan got out of control when he was edged in New Hampshire by a single point by Gerald Ford. It was deemed by the pundits as a loss. Ron DeSantis uh, was once at 42% of the vote uh, in the New Hampshire polls. Today, he languishes at 10%, fighting it out with candidates like Chris Christie and Vivek uh, Ramaswamy for a fourth place finish. That's embarrassing. Uh, but I think he started to believe his own public relations. I think he began to let his expectations get way, way out of control. Uh, I'm not sure there was ever any rationale for the DeSantis candidacy other than the one you stated earlier, Darren, which was to say, well, he's he's Trump without the chaos. He's Trump uh, without the baggage. But unfortunately, he's also Trump without the charisma uh, and Trump without any popular appeal. He just appears to me to be a cold fish. Uh, this is this debate's going to be interesting. How big an audience do you think uh, Fox gets for this debate? Geez, that's a big question. I wouldn't even... Uh... Wouldn't even speculate on that. I think it could be interesting. You know, I, you know, just as a, a sample size of one, I wouldn't watch it necessarily, but I would look forward to clips the next day of, you know, whatever the highlights would be. Um, I would be particularly interested in seeing some devastating moments where Newsom kind of humiliates uh, DeSantis, which he probably will. And, you know, DeSantis thinks you just go in there and you talk about woke and you say, you know, a man can't be a woman, you know, and it's almost like um, a magical incantation of sorts is that you just say that you say that a man can't be a woman enough times and then, you know, you end up in the White House. But it's it's just not that easy. And I think he's discovering this in the most um, brutal way possible, brutal and public way possible. So um, again, we'll just we'll just have to see how it plays out. But um, it might not end up being a great choice uh, from DeSantis' point of view, and from Newsom's point of view, you know, could you know, elevate his uh, stature a little bit. But you know, as we know, the big stage is going after Trump, and that's a different ball game. And I think. The American public would like would be far more interested in a Newsom Trump matchup. Like you said, it's not just with the candidates that we don't want them to be boring, but we we don't want the matchups to be boring either. And so, hopefully, some way Newsom can step in and uh, make this a little bit more interesting. Yeah, Newsom's got uh, the the tougher road here because his record is virtually indefensible. I mean. California has become the world's largest outdoor toilet. Uh, it's really extraordinary. The quality of life there has ha has declined in such a way that people are leaving California in droves to move to either Texas or Florida. Unfortunately, in many cases, they're bringing their politics with, us, with them. On the other hand, Gavin Newsom, whose politics I abhor, does have that likability factor. He's glib. He's agile. He's fast on his feet, um, where I would argue that DeSantis uh, is wooden. Uh, and uh, just going to a set of social issue talking points uh, is not going to score in this debate. By the way, I think they're going to have a huge audience because it's a political freak show, because it's a novelty <laughs> act. Uh, I right. could end up being wrong about that. Uh, you've read a couple. You've written a couple of very perceptive analytical pieces this work week. Let me touch on one. Uh, out of the blue, uh, the Biden Justice Department uh, has decided to finally charge Ray Epps. 
Yes. Now, we've all seen these shocking videos of Ray Epps, who appears to be more complicit uh, in the efforts to uh, to invade the Capitol than perhaps anyone else. He's suing our mutual friend, Tucker Carlson. Uh, that seems to me to be unwise, because in a lawsuit, you open yourself to discovery and cross-examination. Uh, so I wonder how symbolic that is. But what do you make of this decision to now suddenly... Uh, on a very minor charge, charge Ray Epps in connection with January 6th? Well, great question. And I am very proud of this recent piece. It's up at the very top at revolver.news. And the reason I would encourage people to go and look at it um, now is that there is a really rare video of Ray Epps that helps to fully contextualize his behavior on the 5th and the 6th. And people can kind of look at the video um, as we as we discuss it, which may be helpful. Um, but before we do that, just a, a quick clarification. Ray Epps is actually not suing Tucker Carlson, and he's not suing me, even though the whole suit is really about the fact that Tucker had me on to discuss our re, you know, research on Ray Epps. Ray Epps is actually just suing Fox News, which I think is very telling. And I think the reason for that, at least up to this point, is precisely to avoid any of the pitfalls of a prolonged discovery process and simply to take advantage of Fox, which has a recent history of caving in and settling and hoping for a similar result and maybe hoping that from Fox's standpoint, they're thinking, oh, if we settle, that's going to help to um, affirm their sort of implicit position publicly that Tucker was a liability. So maybe there's an element of a win in it for Fox to settle because the implication out of that is, see, you know, we're losing more money because of Tucker's reckless reporting. Ray Epps gets paid off um, and that's the end of it. And all of these scumbags are happy. And I think uh, one other thing on that, I mentioned it uh, with you before, but it's worth repeating is Epps's counsel in this regard for the for the defamation suits, not for the criminal stuff, is a guy called Michael Tater, who is an employee of the most arguably the most disgraced Democrat hatchet man in all of history. And that is David Brock. So interesting uh, bedfellows indeed for for Mr. Epps, the man who stood in full camo gear with a Trump hat, telling the crowd to go into the Capitol, is all of a sudden best friends with David Brock's crew, is all of a sudden getting puff pieces written about him by the New York Times, is getting sympathy segments from 60 Minutes. Um, and now, as you point out, recent development, very bizarre, after almost three years of the Department of Justice basically ignoring him. Although, as we reported very early on, he was one of the first 20 people added to the most wanted list or the FBI. But then he was quietly taken off literally a day after Revolver News' second major piece on January 6th. The day after, he was quietly taken off of that list and ever since nothing until about a week ago where he slapped with this singular misdemeanor charge for disorderly conduct in restricted grounds. And so I looked through the guilty plea. They, they, they gave him a sweetheart guilty plea deal for this. And they came up with a statement of offense to sort of agree as what he's, what he did and what he's, um, you know, he's pleading guilty to. And the piece that I mentioned that's up at Revolver News sort of looks at the language of the statement of offense and it compares it to the video evidence that we have of what he was doing. And I think when people look at that and really process the video, a lot of which is very rare and actually really shocking, like some of it's actually hilarious. One video clip that we found has Epps going to all different parts of the crowd and the crowd's riled up about Antifa, about BLM, all this. He goes to each little group, says, hey, that's not what we're here for. We're not here to talk about BLM. We're not here to talk about Antifa. We're here to talk about the Capitol, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. And at one point he even says, uh, the Capitol is our enemy, as though he traveled 
all the way across the country to um, vent some grievance against neoclassical architecture. The whole thing is pretty amazing. There's another clip just to give some of the amusing highlights here of uh, one of the uh, uh, crowd members sort of antagonizing him and saying, you know, this guy's crazy, this guy's a fed and so forth and said, you're not gonna storm the Capitol, you're not gonna do anything. And Ray Epps looks at this guy who's a young youngster, probably a teenager, maybe early 20s. And he looks at him with this big grin and he does the talk to the hand thing with this expression on his face that's quite incredible as to say, you just wait and see, kid. <laughs> you have no idea what's going on, what's going to happen tomorrow, tomorrow in that case being the six. But yes, there's, there's a lot of really fascinating video there. And once one sees the video, reads about it to any degree, um, it's simply it's simply not believable that, you know, the DOJ would, you know, just innocently charge him with a misdemeanor three years after. They had much more serious charges. Anyone with remotely the same history as Epps would have gotten at least a felony obstruction of an official proceeding. Um, the other interesting thing about it is in the statement of offense, in so many of the charging documents for J6 defendants, if they had any relation to the Oath Keepers whatsoever, there's a huge deal made about this. Now, before the Tario sentencing and all that, the Oath Keepers were the most demonized and heavily prosecuted militia group associated with January 6th. And people forget because the regime media has completely ignored this fact. Ray Epps held a leadership position within the Oath Keepers. He was at one time the head of the Arizona chapter of the Oath Keepers. Now, it's probably the case that he left the organization. He wasn't an active member by January 6th. But even if that's the case, imagine the regime just choosing to ignore the fact that somebody was held a leadership position in one of the key militia groups associated with January 6th that's so heavily demonized in the media. And yet in Ray Epps's case, it's all of a sudden not relevant to their narrative. It's pretty remarkable, especially because in this piece that we have, we have video of Ray Epps palling around with none other than Stuart Rhodes, a complicated individual um, who ended up getting the second most severe sentence in of, of all the J6 defendants. That's another thing that, you know, the the charging documents, the statement of offense, and the media is completely ignored. So that just gives people a flavor of the extraordinary degree of protection that Epps has received, not only from the DOJ, but from the media. And in my view, uh, all things considered, this level of protection does not lend itself to um, an innocent explanation, despite how desperately the regime wants to salvage their narrative in light of this nothing burger, bungling, uh, wrist slap misdemeanor charge almost three years later. All right, one more cultural phenomenon I want to ask you about, because we're just about out of time. What do you make of this effort to destroy Russell Brand. I mean, anonymous witnesses, uh, no names, no faces, no time frame, uh, yet they're trying to demonetize him. They're trying to cru publicly crucify him. Uh, this, I, this is shocking and unfortunate. I don't know Russell Brand. I found him to be a breath of fresh air. Uh, I think he's a superb debater, but what's happening here? That's a great question. And um, with, you know, we could litigate the details of the case and, you know, but that's almost beside the point. And I'd say, you know, I would assume that, you know, just give him the benefit of the doubt because I don't know the details of the case. But for the sake of the other side of the argument is, you know, he's not being attacked. You know, it, the, his, the question of his guilt has nothing to do with whether, you know, this attack on him. He's being attacked because of his politics. He's being attacked because he's challenged the system. Um, there are many, many people who have um, maybe done unsavory things and their politics is right and they're left alone. There are some people that their politics seems right, but for some other Machiavellian sort of chessboard reasons, they're taken off the table um, using Me Too as, um, as a weapon. So 
but in this case, it's clearly politically motivated. And in fact, if you look at some of the details, I think a lot of the accusers, accusers even acknowledge the, um, the political side of things. And um, that's simply it. He used to be a darling uh, in the media, and now he's, uh, he's the devil incarnate. And I think we, <laughs> I think we know why. It's not because, um, you know, whatever they're accusing him of doing, it's because he's become sort of a prominent voice in this sort of, I don't know if I'd call it intellectual dark web, but it's, it's some way adjacent to that, although he's much more talented than a lot of those other figures and sort of being a popular voice for what one call one might call the non-woke left and he's been critical i think of the vaccines and um and very critical of the ukraine issue which is of course unacceptable to the regime and so here are the results you get but i think it's important to note that me too is not about what it pretends to be about in every case Almost every case that I'm aware that's high profile, even if the person did deserve it, which is true in some cases, that wasn't the reason they were getting it. There was there's was some other way that they were expendable to the system. And that was the real story. Kind of like Joe Biden. If he goes, if Joe or Hunter goes down for their corruption, it's not because of the corruption, it's because the system or some, you know, forces more powerful than them want to take them off the table because they've become inconvenient. It's kind of like uh, Andrew Tate. Andrew Tate is a classic example of this yep. effort to destroy him because he challenges the status quo, because he challenges the fake narrative of the uniparty and the globalists. Woe be unto you if you do that. I've experienced some of this myself. Unfortunately, we are out of town. Folks, please go to revolver.news and subscribe now. Could be the single most important conservative news outlet in the country. Uh, you can find the extraordinary writing of my good friend, uh, Dr. Darren Beatty. Uh, he makes reference to a great story at the top uh, on the Ray Epps indictment. I urge you to check it out. Dr. Beatty, thank you so much for joining us again on The Stone Zone. Thank you, Roger. All right, folks, we are out of town for out of time for today. I want to thank you for joining us on the Stone Zone. We'll be here tomorrow, four o'clock central, five o'clock Eastern. Until then, God bless you and Godspeed. I'm excited to announce that you've all made my Pillow 2.0 a huge success. And with your amazing support, we've been able to expand my Pillow's USA manufacturing and jobs. And to make room for this, we're clearing out a line of our percaled bed sheets. And to thank you, I'm bringing them to you at closeout prices. Use your promo code and you get my king size for only $39 a set. Queens, $35, Foles, $29, and twin size, just $25. I'm interrupted this commercial to let you know that we've received the last two shipments of these percale bed sheets and because of this i've been able to add more colors sizes and even prints and they're still at closeout prices so go to mypillow.com or call the number on your screen now use your promo code and you'll get my king size only 39 dollars a set queens 35 dollars full $29 and twin size just $25. Order now. Once they're gone, they're gone for good.